A dance circle began to form in front of me, which is not really surprising, hence, you know, we were at a wedding, and that weddings, if you've been to them, and soon in a few years, you'll be going to a lot of them throughout your early to mid-20s and all the way to your 30s, a dance floor is, or a dance circle is normal. Now, as this circle was forming, I had a sinking feeling in my stomach, because even though to popular opinion, I don't really like to be in the center of those. I knew that my name was going to be called. Why? Well, it was my wedding. I knew that one time that I know my, my beautiful wife would be in there. She looked beautiful, and then it's going to be me. You know, even though I might, if I'm ever in one of those dance circles, I might feel like I'm the coolest person out there, that I'm, I can be part of America's top dance crew, like the Jabberwockies, but in reality, I look like this. And I know that, and I accept that. And to the point of, I was getting really nervous because for you, for you guys, the, the tuxedo that you wear for your wedding day is, it's form-fitting. It's supposed to look good, not feel good. I knew that uh, in a wedding uh, seven years ago, this happened. I tried to bust a move and I ripped my pants. It was actually hilarious. I don't feel ashamed at all. But I found a way out. Because at a wedding, I knew this, pers- this certain person who is probably the best dancer that I know, better than all of you, better than me, obviously. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get him in the circle. So I started chanting his name. And then my wife saw, you know, understood what I was trying to do, so she started helping, helping, helping that. She started chanting his name. And of course, you cannot disobey the bride on her wedding day. So even though a, a man who is talented in dancing, who is very reclusive about it, indulged just and busted a move, and Bob's his father, Mr. Winnicky, <laughs> tore up that dance floor and made me a happy guy and blew that person's mind. If you can see her face, in shock. But the sinking feeling came back because I just realized, oh, it's going to be my turn. And now I have to follow that. Great. So, like any smart, wise person, I decided to make a fool of myself, and it worked out well. Because I don't like to be the only person dancing. I love to dance. I really do. But the thing is, I like to partner dance. I like to dance with, with someone. I love to swing dance. I used to swing dance. I just swing dance for seven years, and I loved it. Why? Because when the swing dancers are dancing correctly, it looks harmonious. And when they're harmonious, they can be able to pull off amazing feats and amazing moves because when they're working together, the follow is following, the lead is leading, they're listening to each other and submitting to each other. It's a beautiful dance. And so that's why I, I love it because I like to make other, another person look good rather than myself and not to pump myself up there. I just, that's why I don't like the attention necessarily on me. Many of us need to work on our harmony. Mr. Winnicky is harmonious in his dancing. His body is working together and it's working well. It's, it was very fun to watch. When I'm out there by myself, I look like a crazy cat on its hind legs. It's not pretty. But I'm at my best when I'm with someone and they're working with me and it's a fun and wonderful time because of harmony. Dancers pursue harmony, but as Christians, we need to pursue harmony so much more. Paul wrote to the, 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 the churches in Rome 
uh, just reaching out to them, writing a letter. In this portion in Romans chapter 12, if you want to open your Bibles there, he was, he's writing what a, what a Christian should be like. And part of it is harmonious. He takes 11 chapters to explain the amazing mercy of God, the theology of who God is and his amazing mercy. And verse one of chapter 12 says, therefore I appeal to you by the mercies of God, X, Y, and Z. And then later down the verse, he talks about having genuine love and in genuine love, there is harmony. And so let's read together in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 16 to see how we need to have harmony. So follow along in verse 16. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I saw in the news that there's a bunch of peace going on in the Middle East. The world does want peace. The world wants harmony. I mean, think about all the self-help books that are out there for your work ethic, for leadership, for losing a bunch of weight. You want to find harmony, but they don't want God as a part of it. And what we Christians get to do is to be harmonious and we get to tell the world there is a possibility, there is a chance of harmony and it's right here with God by his plan and not our own. And the danger is that we might miss out on that. If we are not attempting and pursuing harmony as brothers and sisters in Christ, then we're going to be having strife at one another. We're going to be tearing each other down and apart. And so we do not want to miss out on what Paul is commanding the Romans, what God is commanding us is to pursue harmony, live in harmony. But in order for us to do that, we need to make harmony a bigger priority in our lives. And the way we do that is to care more about others than ourselves, to value others above our own self. As dancers pursue harmony, as Christians, we all need to pursue harmony. It's a big deal to God. It's a massive deal to God. It needs to be a bigger deal to us. That's what verse 16, it's, a, it's in the middle of the thought, but this is where this sermon begins. It begins with living in harmony, being of one mind, being of one mindset. How, how is that supposed to happen? How does that even work? Well, first it's because if you and I are believers, we have submitted to King Jesus. We have understood the truth that we are sinful. We are sinners. We have fallen short. And if the only way out, the only way to, to escape God's wrath is to repent of our sins and trust in Christ, to trust in the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And through believing in that, we believe that we have forgiveness of sins. And as a result, we have now the Holy Spirit. We have God himself in us. And if we are, now, now, if we are all now pursuing God, then we're pursuing the same mind. Even though we might come from different backgrounds, we might have different interests, we might have different talents, we are all pursuing one mind, that is Jesus to live harmoniously by pursuing Jesus. 
But the only way we can be harmonious is if we're pursuing Christ, living for Christ, and making sure this is a priority in our lives. We can't let the world distract us. Instead, we have to put things aside to make sure harmony is a top priority in our lives. So put this down for point number one. Make harmony with your spiritual family essential. Make harmony with your spiritual family essential. Right now we're in this debate of what essential really means. What is essential? Essential is meaning that if we didn't have it, we can't function as a person. We, we need this extremely. Uh, we, this is a top priority. People can't function without this and society can't function without this. Grocery stores, we need it. That's essential. Hospitals, that's essential. For us, church, actually, it's not for us, the world, church, uh, the f- fellowship of believers is essential in our lives. And there's weird things out there like marijuana dispensaries that people say, oh, this is essential too. I'm like, sure. For dancers, they understand that being in harmony with each other is essential. This is how they're able to dance on the dance floor with other partners, other fellow believers in swing dancing, because they're able to be in harmony with each other as a partner and in harmony with each other. So that, that's, why they're not able, they, that's why they do not run into each other. Because they may know that if they do not make harmony essential, then they're going to bump into each other. They're going to step on people's toes. People will get injured. And so they make harmony essential in, that, in their lives. So we need to make, and so much more, we need to make harmony essential in our lives. But how do we do that? How do we do that as true north? Well, firstly, we need to live out God's definition of harmony. The world changes constantly. For those who are strict grammar enthusiasts, just know that language change, changes all the time. Irregardless is now a word in the dictionary, fun fact. But as definitions change, like the, for example, faith, if for an outsider, a person who might be not friendly to Christianity, faith means a blind trust or a blind belief in something that isn't real. Or it's a blind belief in something you don't know. But that's not what God defines faith as. God defines faith as trusting in the evidence, right? That's why John wrote his gospel. I wrote these things so that you may believe and have eternal life. We can trust that the cross paid our sins because of the resurrection. Jesus defeated death. The reason why we can trust the resurrection because there's evidence that points to Jesus rising from the grave. So we need to focus on God's definition of things. The world's gonna change things all the time. We need to focus on what God's definition is. What is his definition of harmony? Peter kind of writes this in his third chapter in 1 Peter, his first letter. It says, finally, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. We need to pursue God's definition of harmony. We need to li- actually live it out. But the only way we can live it out is if we know what it is. And the only way, only, way we know that, uh, only way we know what it is is if we are devouring his word. We need to be in his word daily. What you and I need to do, we need to dedicate our time daily to read God's word, to devour God's word, to seek out his will, his plan, his definition so that we can live it out properly. We can't do that if we're not in it. The next thing we need to do is we need to pursue the team's goal over our own. Now, a flute player who wants to uh, do a solo, the wrong time for a flute player to do a solo on their own is during a a band competition, right? Because the band is trying to work in harmony together. They're submitting to one another. But if one guy or one gal wants to step to the side and bust out a solo, 
It's going to be the wrong attention. They need to submit to the team, the band team's goal. We need to submit to God's goal for the team of his church. We need to aim for restoration, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians to another church, to aim for restoration, to comfort one another, to agree with one another, live in peace, so that the God of love and peace will be with us. We need to pursue his definition and follow after him together as a team. Now, your plans for the future for your school, the plans for your future career, your plans for this next coming weekend, which is beach day, that's your plans, FYI, cancel all your other ones. Your plans with your friends, the plans for the sleepovers and hangouts, your plans, those, those are fine. Those are, those are neutral. Those could be good, but they need to be second or far below God's plan for this team. His first plan is to give give himself glory because he's the only being that deserves glory. And part of that plan, his instructions to us, is to go out to all the nations and make disciples. So the question is, your plan for school, does that fall underneath that plan? To glorify God and make disciples? Is your career plan submitting to that, to make disciples and to glorify God? Are your weekend plans to make disciples and glorify God? What are our plans, True North? Are they submitting to God's goal for us as a team or just for ourselves? We need to pursue the team's goal. But lastly, we need to eagerly put in the hard work. Because this is hard. An athlete knows this. A musician knows this. A performer of any kind knows that this is difficult. To to pursue harmony, to care about the other is hard, but they do it because of the potential of what could happen for the athletes to win the game, to get first place to that championship, for the musician to maybe win a competition, for the performer to do their best in the play. So that's why they sacrifice and, and, and bear with the pain. They bear with one another, as Paul wrote, as God wrote in Colossians 3. They put on love. Love is the key to all this. We need to love God and love others because love binds everything in perfect harmony. But what is love? It's not baby don't hurt me. It's 1 Corinthians 13. It's love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. All those things are hard. To, to bear with someone, to bear their burdens is difficult. To believe them, even though they, you might not want to, is, is hard to hope and, and to place your hope in things is, is hard to endure. That word is hard. We need to put in the hard work, but, w- but the reason why we put in the hard work is we know the, the potential of the things that could happen if we put in the hard work to pursue harmony as a body of Christ. So the question is, or the thing that we need to do, I should say, is to make sure we're putting in the effort to make sure that y'all, which is a great word, by the way, that y'all know your small group. Do you know everyone in your small group? Not know their names, but do you know them well? Are you in harmony with each other? Not only your small group, do you know the small groups around you? Are you working hard to pursue harmony with them? So the next thing you need to make sure you do is to make sure that you know your small group well. And then once you get to know your small group, move on to get to know the other small groups so that we can work in harmony together. And thankfully, 
God gives us instructions. He makes harmony as an essential, as a high priority, but thankfully, he doesn't leave us uh, out to dry. Instead, he gives us instructions. You find them in verse 16, in the middle of it. It says, do not be haughty, do not be proud, but associate with the lowly. How do you fight pride, which pride is the, is the evil weapon against harmony? How do you take out pride? Associating with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. If you think about it, that makes total sense. Why? You and I are not wise. Who is wise? Who's the definition of wise? Who is the full, uh, fullness of wisdom? It's God. God is wisdom. He created wisdom. He is, he's the definition of wisdom. He is wisdom. And we are created in his image. That's the only way we can have any form of wisdom is that we have it from him and we seek it from him. So we can't be wise in our own eyes because that would be prideful. Then verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. That is one of the most difficult things we could do. And honestly, probably the biggest struggle that maybe y'all have. And I'll get to that later, later, later in the sermon. But we cannot repay evil for evil. There is no room for that. So what do we replace it with? What's the solution? Because if we're trying to seek revenge, that is pride. That is a giant sign that says, I am prideful. I'm taking personal revenge. Instead, what we're supposed to do is to give thought, to do what is honorable, what is right, what is good, by God's definition, in the sight of all. What does all mean? What does he mean by all? God and all believers? Yes, and God, believers, and unbelievers. We're supposed to do what is right in the sight of all. Even unbelievers understand they have the word of God, the law of God written on their hearts. Now, they may reject it, but if you go to cultures all over the world, in every culture, there's a form of, that they would say, this form of murder is wrong, this form of stealing is wrong, this form of adultery is wrong. Because the law of God is written on their heart. They may reject some of it, if not most of it. But we need to make sure we're doing what's honorable in the sight of all. But God is the priority. So what God is asking us to do, he's like, defund your pride. Let's defund our pride. And he's like, hey, you need to fund it, and then you need to re- reallocate those funds, those, that energy to focus on something else, which is other. So put that, put that down for point number two. Defund your pride by devoting yourself to others. To fund your pride by devoting yourself to others. The very popular phrase, hashtag, developed by the organization Black Lives Matter of defund the police. Now, it's not a solution that I necessarily agree with really at all. But looking at their website and scrolling down, I try to understand, I'm trying to understand these people. I'm trying to understand this logic. Why, why is this the solution? In their eyes, to stop the, the killing of minorities, you need to defund the police because if you defund them, you have less money to hire bad cops that will harm minorities. And you know, you take that money that you took away from the police and said allocate it to um, other service workers, community workers that can go into these communities and help hopefully de-escalate the situation. Now, I would disagree that that is the solution to the problem. But they, get, they understand something that I think Paul is trying to tell us, what God is trying to tell us. We need to fund something and reallocate the, the funds to something else. We need to make sure we're defunding our pride, which I'm all about. I'm 100% about defunding our pride and reallocating that energy that we focus on ourselves to others. Paul gives us three different ways, well, 
God gives us, gives us three different ways to defund our pride. Firstly, it's investing in others. The first command is to not be prideful. How? By associating with the, the, the lowly. In James 2, we cannot show partiality. James 2 built on a command found in Leviticus, by the way, and he says, do not show partiality. To love your neighbor as yourself, you cannot just love a handful of people, just your crew, just your family. You need to love everyone here and love everyone else. We cannot show partiality, but if we do, we're in sin. We have to make sure we're not being focused on ourselves. The dancers understand this. The dancer knows if I'm focused on myself, uh, I will harm my partner and I might harm the people around me and I might use my partner to swing around and use it as a battering ram against other people. But if I'm focused on myself, I'm focused on the other, the dance looks spectacular and beautiful and it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's harmonious. So the question is, are you focusing on others? If you're in a relationship with someone, if you want a better relationship, you need to focus on your bae, your boo, your bae, whatever your nickname is. Focus on them and trust that they're going to focus on you, to serve you, to pour themselves out to you. If you want to love your crew or your squad or your friends better, you need to focus on them over yourself and then trust that they will focus on you over themselves. If you want to love your family better, you need to pour your, make sure you focus on them over yourself and trust that they will focus on you rather than themselves. If you want to love strangers more, you need to focus on them and trust that they will help love you. But this is only found in the Christian walk because this is the God, the God that we serve is harmonious. He serves himself. He glorifies himself. The son submits to the father. The father, the father glorifies the son. It's a beautiful, harmonious dance. And we're supposed to reflect that. So the question is, is that, are you focusing on others? Not just in your life, but the people around you as well. So my, my, my encouragement to you is I talk to someone new. Next week, sit next to someone you don't know. Say hi to them. Get to know their name. Get their phone number. Get their contact info. Go hang out with them. Hang out with them at the beach. Invite them maybe to, um, to coffee, to brunch, to spike, well, whatever you do. Do we know everyone here at your north? Or do you know this, this, the three or four people within your small group? We can't be prideful. We have to invest in others. The second way we do that is submitting to God's wisdom and not our own. We're not wise in our own eyes, but we submit to the wisdom of God. I remember a swing dance teacher that I really liked because he's more of a coach because he wanted us to get better. He wanted us to make sure that we, have, that we are doing this properly, that the lead is leading. He's communicating to the follow what to do and the follow is submitting and listening to whatever the lead is doing. So the follow is supposed to trust the lead. The lead is supposed to trust the follow and it's a beautiful dance and you're supposed to trust everyone else around you. Now, some people didn't like him because he was mean because he didn't take any nonsense as people wanted to do their own thing. And like, I want to have fun. He's like, well, then get out. I want you to have fun, but I'm going to instruct you. You need to submit to my instruction so that my dance floor is safe and that people on it are, are having a great time. Now, if we are selfish, we're going to ruin that great time because we're going to bump into a lot of people. So we need to make sure we are in God's word. We cannot be wise in our own eyes. We need to fear the Lord. We need to turn away from evil because it is healing to our flesh and refreshment to our bones. 
The first way we submit is by repenting of our sins and trusting in Christ. Because that will bring literal spiritual nourishment and healing to us. As we submit to that, we continue to submit to him as we devour his word, like we said before. But as you're devouring his word to learn what, he, what he's saying, we need to devour his word to actually submit to it. Because Isaiah 5 writes, says, excuse me, says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. If you're checking out, you're apathetic about this whole thing, God's saying, woe to you. My wrath is coming. So Submit follow my way, submit to my wisdom. So what we need to do is you need to make sure you're dedicating every day to read God's word, to submit to it, and then apply it. To have harmonious relationships with everyone here, harmonious relationship with your leader, Pastor Rod, your parents, even though it might be hard, with your teachers, which might be very difficult now, with your bosses if you work for them, the relationships with the people you don't like, we need to make sure we're seeking that and submitting to God's wisdom. And lastly, we need to do what is right in the sight of all. I'm going to throw a lot of cross-references at you because I want to make a point because I think this is the thing that we, uh, not just as true north, I think is we as people struggle with. We want to repay evil for evil. I was heartbroken to see the video of a pol- two police officers shot in the face. Thankfully, they're still alive. But the gunmen probably did it because they wanted to repay the evil that they think those, the, the police have, have given them. They're like, the, the cops have been evil to our community, so I'm going to repay evil back and shoot them in the face. Now, I don't think a lot of you, or any of you, please, I don't think a lot of you are going to shoot people in the face. But if your younger sibling uses up all the hot water, or forgets to open the window and now it's all steamy everywhere, or your teacher assigns another bit of homework, or, uh, or your boss gives, disciplines you for something you didn't do, we want payback. We find out someone's gossiping behind our backs, we want payback. But the Bible, Leviticus 19 says you're not supposed to take vengeance. In Deuteronomy 23, it says vengeance is God's. In Proverbs 20, 22, it says, do not say I will repay evil, Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. We need to trust in God in our vengeance and for justice. But it continues in 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. The reason why I bring up all these texts, and I couldn't do more, is that God is giving us no room, no excuses for us to seek vengeance in our lives. Even if it's on our sibling, our parents, someone who deserves it. There's no room in our lives. Instead, what we need to do is trust God. We need to trust, and he continue, Paul continues, by the way, in Romans 13 to say, submit to the governing authorities. Because we need to trust God. And trust God in the, in the governing authorities to do their job, or if they fail to do it, trust in God's ultimate judgment to come. We cannot repay evil for evil. Why? It's God's. God is truly the one that's offended. It is his right to answer for our crimes. And think about this. He was patient with us. While we sinned, he died for us. We need to do the same, not only to our brothers and sisters here, but to the world. We also need to make sure to replace our revenge. We need to do what is good in the sight of all, which sounds weird. In the sight of God and Christians, that makes sense. But to the world, that, 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 that it's hard to imagine. But again, it's in scripture. Proverbs 3, 
in the sight of God and man. Second Corinthians 8.21 Aim to at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. That is hard. That is difficult. But it helps us to understand what is good. What is right? Well, Paul and God defines that for us in Philippians 4.8. What is good? What should we pursue? What should we think about? Well, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. So the question is, is what are we wearing? What are we listening to? What are we watching? Is it, does it fit this category? If not, we might need to toss it out. But what do we do instead of revenge? We need to seek these things. The world doesn't dictate what good is, but God does. But God did create us in his image. He put the law on our hearts. We understand that murder is wrong. We understand that stealing is wrong. We won't want to do it. We know it's wrong intuitively. So we need to do the very hard thing. The only thing that only through God that we can do is to do the right thing, the honorable thing, the pure thing, the good thing, and not seek revenge. But this doesn't apply just to us in True North. This applies also with our interactions with the world because in verse 18, he continues, Paul continues, God continues, it says, if possible, he's giving us an escape clause right here, escape clause, not clause. So far it depends on you, live peaceably with your, the person next to you, with your family, and that's it. No, it says all, with everyone, unbeliever and believer. We can't show par partiality in, in any way. We need to pursue peace if possible. So far, it depends on you. We need to give it our best effort to live peaceably, which I'll define what that means, with everyone. But we need to do it with a purpose, in which I'll explain later. The purpose is to see people saved, to first glorify God and to show people the gospel. We believe and submit to the gospel, but we need to live it out. As, or as my, my old boss used to say, he, we want, he wants people to experience the love of God through the preaching of his word and the actions of his people. We need to live out the gospel. That's why we want to take, that's why we want to take pains to live peaceably with all. And that's your third, number, third point. Take pains to live respectively, respectively with everyone. Take pains. Make a great effort to live respectively with everyone. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like what we're doing right now. Trust me, Pastor Rod, myself, everyone on staff, we want to be inside. We want to be in there. Actually, we want to be on 121. So I like the coffee bar. We want to be in there. But we're taking pains to live peaceably with our, with our city government, with our county government, with our governor, and say, you know what? We will separate the chairs six feet apart. We will be outside. We will keep only 100 people inside because we want to live peaceably for what reason? to glorify God and get the gospel out there. That's why we're doing that. Or as my, my old boss with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I would, I would watch him just live peaceably with the people on the campuses, public school campuses. And as a result of him living peaceably and living respectively with atheists, with, with Jews, with Muslims on the campuses, he and I were able to minister to, the, uh, to minister to the campuses, to share the gospel clearly at these public school campuses. 
So that's why we took great pains to live respectively with everyone. But how do we do that again? How do we apply this to true north? Well, first, we need to take those previous instructions in point number two and live them out here. We need to defund our pride and help other people, not just here to make sure that we have harmony in true north, but to live respectively and peaceably with the people in the other buildings and the, with, your, with your neighbors and the cities around us. If you remember 1 Thessalonians 5, I put it up there briefly, but I put it back up there again. Excuse me. This is always seek to do good to one another, that's us, and everyone. So we need to make sure we're taking the previous instructions and applying them here in our lives. So take this to your unbelieving family, unbelieving friends, unbelieving classmates, unbelieving teachers and bosses and neighbors, a random people that you meet in coffee shops. You can eat in, indoors now. Congratulations. But take it to those unbelievers. For what purpose? To see them saved. Imagine who, just think about the person in your mind right now. Think of a person who's an unbeliever that you can show love to, to live peaceably with, maybe to change your attitude and how you live with them. And think about that person, maybe write their name down and see if you can win them over to the gospel by first preaching to them and also living it out. Think about that. But also we need to strive to live peaceably with everyone. Not just us, not just your crew, not just the people that you like, but the people that you even dislike. Why do we strive for peace? As Hebrews 12 puts it, so that, because without us living peaceably with the people around us, living peaceably with the world, not, not, not conforming to their sin, but to live at peace, you know, to have nice neighbors around you, is so that you can show the holiness of God, because without it, we can't dis display the holiness of God. Or as Peter puts it again in 1 Peter 2, we want to have our conduct be good in front of non-unbelievers. Why? When they revile us and call us bigots and racists and homophobes and anything else, they will look at our good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. They will glorify God at their salvation and then well, they'll just glorify God when they're standing before, before him being judged. That's why we want to make sure our conduct is good. We're trying to live peaceably with all. We're striving to do it. We're making an effort. One way to do that is to pray. Pray for your unbelieving family. Pray for your unbelieving neighbor. Pray for your unbelieving classmate. Pray for them weekly. Just don't do it one off right now. Pray for them weekly. Invite them to the beach day if they're in high school, FYI, not under or over that. If they're in high school, invite them to the beach day. Hang out with them. And offer to clean up their yard or clean up their patio. Serve them. Live peaceably so that you can reach them to show and display the gospel. And then lastly, we cannot be the cause of unnecessary wildfires. Apparently, one of the massive fires that's going on, one of 10,000 fires in California, which happens almost every year, it seems like, was started by a gender reveal. Not by us, by the way. At my parents' house, is a confetti cannon. Apparently, it's some smoke bomb device, but... It caught fire and now our state is burning. If you look at how wildfires are caused, too many of them are started by unnecessary reasons. Someone throwing a match, someone throwing a cigarette, someone littering, someone deciding to start a fire randomly at a men's retreat. Unnecessary wildfires that cost billions of dollars. Too many dancers on the dance floor injured because of 
unnecessary selfishness. We need to seek peace and pursue as Peter commands us in chapter three of his first letter, or as God commands us. But why? Why do we want to pursue peace? Because we want to see people saved, as Paul writes Timothy in chapter two. If we do this right, maybe God will grant them repentance. Maybe they'll finally see. Maybe God will use us for them to see and understand the gospel. We've been sharing it with them. Now they're seeing it in our lives. My wife and I had the pleasure of having Mormon missionaries come over to our house for, last, for these last seven months. And we were going to out-nice them. We we're going to show that we have the Holy Spirit. You don't. How? By being nicer, by being kinder. We're actually showing fruit in our lives. We will speak truth to them, but we went out to, we painstakingly talked to them in a way that would show that we would live peaceably with them and still share the truth. And it's by God's grace we were able to do that. We could have just told them to get out, you heretic, and leave. Or said, no, I'm going to try to win you. And now that they're, they've done, you know, they're done coming over, they broke up with us. They did over text. That was sad. We're, my wife and I are praying that one day that the fruit of our interactions would hopefully let them see the true gospel. So we need to make sure that we're taking pains to live respectively with everyone. Because if we seek harmony... We can do amazing things. And that's why, that's why dancers seek harmony because if they have harmony with their partner, they can do crazy things. They can do the aerials and the flips and all the amazing feats that, they, that seem seemingly impossible. But as Christians, if we are harmonious, if we make harmony, as a, as, 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 uh, harmony with our spiritual family essential, if we, make, if we live it out, if we pursue it, our God's goals over our own goals, if we eagerly put in the hard work for harmony, then we will be more united than ever as a body, true north. No matter what happens, if we're outside forever, we will be in harmony and we'll be able to withstand anything. When we defund our pride by investing in others, submitting to God's commands and God's wisdom, and defunding our pride by doing what is right, then we will stand out as a light to this dark, chaotic world. Think about Portland. Think about Seattle. Think about Los Angeles and Chicago right now. The world is just desperately wants harmony. We have the answer, and we can show the world, but we get to start here first. Do you know all the people here? Do you know the faces around you? The people that are like, oh, I didn't really know this person's here. Get to know one another. Do it. Pursue it. Seek harmony. Take pains to do it. Because if, as Christians, if we do this, we can pull off amazing things like planting a church back in 2005 in a tree and now we're here. If we, if we sought harmony, we can do other things like plant other churches like in Huntington Beach or in Tustin or in another state in, in Boise, Idaho. Or we, or we can also do it planted in one in Texas. If we're pursuing harmony, we can do amazing, seemingly impossible things like reach all 600,000 souls in South Orange County. And if we seek out harmony, we can do something even greater. We can maybe see revival in the godless state of California. So true north, let's show the world that we have harmony that harmony is possible and through Christ alone. Let's, let's tell it to them. Let's show it to them. 
and let's make harmony a bigger priority in our life by first considering others as more significant as ourselves. So True North, let's pull off some bold, crazy, seemingly impossible things for God's kingdom. Let's start tonight. Please pray with me. Thank you.